Can, you got me, brother? All right. Welcome Let's to go. Chapel Chimes. This is Pastor Dallas Payton, Jr., and I've got with me today, we finally got our our uh, stuff figured out here. I've got Nathaniel Hobbs with me, and we're going to begin. I want to have a word of prayer, and we're going to do an interview here. I've never really done an interview here on Chapel Chimes, and I'm excited about it. We thank you for tuning in. And I'm going to ask a word of prayer, Brother Nathaniel, and then I'm going to have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you. And uh, I don't know how many people are going to hear, but we're going to give it a shot. Does that sound good? That sounds like a plan, my brother. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. Okay, brother, let's pray. Lord, I come to you, and as we start this podcast, I pray you'd bless it. I pray you'd help us today. And Lord, I thank you for this opportunity. pray for those enlisting now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we're on Chapel Chimes, and, and this is Nathaniel Hobbs. And Nathaniel, I've asked him to come on here. I'm going to uh, – he has a unique, I think, a unique uh, position in his life. He has grown up in a preacher's home. Uh, he has grown up around the fundamental Baptist circles in North Carolina. And uh, he is the uh, son of – uh, Pastor, well, I'll tell you what, Brother Nathan, you tell us a little bit about you, and I'm going to ask you some questions here for our, for our chiming in on what's going on around us, but tell us a little bit about who you are and, and, and what you're doing and, and that type of thing. Well, Brother Dallas, thank you. And first of all, let me just say thank you for having me on this podcast. I appreciate you inviting me, and I'm just looking forward to this, and so I just want to, first of all, thank you for letting me do this. Amen. Uh, but anyways, my, my name is Nathaniel Hobbs, and I come from the great state of North Carolina. I live in a little town called Burlington, and uh, I grew up under Pastor Randy Hobbs. My dad, he pastors the New Hope Baptist Church, and uh, he has been there this coming January. will make 42 years he's been at the same church. Wow. And uh, there, that's the only church he's ever pastored, and uh the Lord let me be born 25 years ago, and I grew up under my dad and that ministry there. And uh, when I was 13 years old, the Lord began to deal with me about preaching, and I didn't even know what all that involved at that time, but that was the first time he ever kind of put it in my heart. And then when I turned 17 and 18, I got the classic situation of trying to run from that and do my own thing. And uh, it was when I was 17, 18 years old, I was playing baseball. The Lord began to deal with my heart. And that's where I really surrendered, you know, full full steam ahead to give my life to ministry. And uh, when I was 18 years old, I enrolled down at Victory Baptist College, which is an independent Baptist college down there. That's actually where I became connected with you and your family down there. Right. And uh, stayed down there for a year. <clears throat> then I came back and did some online things. And then the next year, I enrolled at West Sonora Baptist School of Ministry. That's in the western part of North Carolina. Uh, that was a, so been a that's been a preacher school for a, going on, I guess, forty some years. Founded by Pastor James Lockey, who just went home to be with the Lord last week. Actually, uh, Pastor Rick Safert pastors that church now, and he's over at that school. Graduated from there back in 2017, and then in 2018, the Lord sent me to Belmont Baptist Church, which is in the southern part of Alamance County, and that's where I've been pastoring now for two and a half years, and uh, I guess that's a rough synopsis of my life, uh, Amen. and uh, Amen. thank the Lord for what all he's done and where all he's brought me from, and uh, so I'm just, that's kind of life, and I'm, I, again, I uh, thank you for having me on here. That's where I'm at. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, well, I, that, I wanted people to hear that because I, I, I think that, I think what, and as you, those are listening, Here's a, and I'm I'm not going to say that we're young man this whole podcast because I, I think that's annoying. He's he's a man. He's a grown man. He's younger by some respects, but here's someone who um, he's been now really full time ministry for a while. He's been pastoring now for a couple of years here, and and really been doing things for the Lord for a long time. Obviously, growing up in a preacher's home, and one of the reasons I wanted to interview Nathaniel and talk to him, which I already know this young man pretty well. I know a lot about his life, and I'm going to ask him some questions here on this podcast uh, in regards to what's going on around us. And then, and I, I've listened to a lot of podcasts, Brother Nathaniel, some of these, uh, I guess you would almost call them contemporary or people that are going a different direction. And I thought about you and a lot of the the preachers, younger preachers that you know really more than I do, and I know 
my son Austin and, and Nathaniel are friends and, and great friends, in fact. And and they they tell me about I've learned a lot listening to them. And and I thought it'd be great uh to interview. I'm gonna have Brother Austin back on as well. But I thought it would be great to ask you a few questions because I think you have a better perspective than some of the podcasts that I've listened. And I don't I'm not on here, I'm not gonna bash anybody or anything like yes. that. But I, I want to just um I want to ask you a few questions about what's going on now. I want to ask you a few questions. And some of these will be uh, pretty intense. Some people might not understand these. People that are in preaching circles will understand it quite a bit, I think. But I want to get your perspective. And you've been pastoring now, do you say, is it two and a half yes, years? Yes, sir. Or a year two and a, and a half. Yes, sir. Two and a half. Yeah, at Belmont Baptist. Now, first of all, I want to begin here on the podcast. I want to ask you this question from a 25-year-old pastor pastoring. This is your first pastor, correct? Correct, correct. How has, and I think every preacher in America is going to have a different answer to this. There's no wrong answer. Yeah. But how has it, how has it been pastoring now? And, and, when we, and those who are listening, I mean, Burlington, I know everybody says they're in the, you know, the Bible belt and they're in the buckle of the belt. But if you know anything about Burlington or North Carolina, I mean, you know, he, he's grew up in, oh, yeah. he's grew up around churches I mean, there's churches, you know, up to your eyeballs yeah. everywhere you, you go. You shake a bush, five of them fall out. And many of them, really good yeah. churches. Yeah, good churches. Unlike some areas where there'd be a lot of churches, there's a lot of, of good, strong churches in the Carolinas. Yes. I mean, I think, I personally think. Now, how has it been, Brother Nathaniel, for since March, pastoring your first pastorate in the midst of something that even people have been preaching for years what is your thoughts about pastoring during this COVID well, crisis? Well, I'll be honest. I guess every preacher could say this. You know, we never had this class in Bible college, you know, about what to right. do. Uh, and I was already, you know, I'm wet behind the ears anyways. Uh, I do think, I guess, one benefit that would help me or, you know, help Brother Austin would be growing up under a pastor. So you have a little bit of a, you know, I'm able to, some young pastors, they're all alone in this thing. Like one of my dear friends down the road in Hillsborough, you know, he don't have a preacher for a dad. He really didn't grow up necessarily in a Christian home. And so he's kind of wading waters different than I would. So thankfully I could come home and like, you know, I just bought a house uh, last month before then I, you know, I could come home and my dad's right there to give some wisdom. So that helped me a little bit. However, uh, you know, starting in March, Man, I'll be honest with you, I did not know what to do. There was so much uncertainty, and you run through that. You know, I, I guess you may worry about, the, you know, want to have this this struggle. I constantly struggle between, you know, do you watch after your flock, healthy, you know, health, and as far as the health side of things, or do you go full steam ahead and say, come hell or high water, we're having church, we're not changing nothing. Mm. And, I, you know, I guess like a lot of churches, I have both people in my congregation who have different opinions about that. You know, I, I have a yeah. side of my church that says, you know, we, we, we should never cancel church. You know, we should never, uh, you know, we should never, we should just go full steam ahead. No masks, no social distance. Just let's pretend there's not even a virus out there. And then on the other side, you know, I mean, if someone has been exposed to someone who has been exposed to someone who has been exposed to someone, thanks for to cancel church for right. two weeks just to make sure we're all safe. And so you got those conflicting ideas, you know, that, that has definitely been a part of it. Uh, and plus, you know, I pastor a church of 80 people, and I would say, I think we did the math, 50 or 60 of them are 60 or 50 plus, you know what I'm saying? So there, I lean, right. I lean heavy on the, on the, you know, people that would be more subject to have high risk for this thing. Uh, so I, I've struggled with all that. And then we get in March and my crowd, you know, which was a blessing was we, 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 we did a uh, drive-in service and I know you did one. I don't know necessarily what your numbers were. But I'll be honest with you, I was having better numbers in the drive-in service than I was even in my sanctuary, you know, because so many right. people was canceling church. You know, I mean, we was having cars, people we didn't even know. I really, we, we did it for a whole month and a half, and I don't even think we necessarily had a service where there was not at least one first-time visitor there. Uh, so that was right. a at the drive-in. Yeah, the drive-in. At the, the drive-in, drive yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, then, you know, you start getting into May and June, and it starts getting hot. And so we just said, you know, we're going to try to proceed with caution, and we move back in the church. And that is where we, re I really began to see this big difference. Uh, I went from 80 yeah. to 40. Over, you know, I mean, right. we are so, overnight, overnight you know, I mean, we come back in the church and I know a lot of preachers can say this. I, I, I we're, we're about 50%, you know, 
uh, I, there's folks that I haven't seen since March. And yeah. so that has been aggravating. And, uh, you know, I remember I, uh, when all this started, I remember reading posts and hearing preachers talk about how they just thought this COVID thing would bring about the biggest revival ever. I remember reading that. And I'll be honest with you, brother Dallas, you know, I don't claim to be the, I'm not the brightest one in the bunch, but I remember thinking initially that there was no way this would bring about revival in my mind. I remember thinking right. up front, man, if there is anybody in our church, which we all can agree, we're living in a highly apathetic day. I mean, there's apathy in the church right. like never before, in my opinion. And, right. you know, I remember thinking, man, if there is anybody that even has a little bit of apathy in their heart, this whole coronavirus situation is going to feed right into that mindset. And I've, I feel mm. like I've, and I feel yeah. like I've proven that, you know, my, my, my gut feeling proved to be right because, you know, I mean, yes, I got some people who legitimately, I think about, there's probably three or four folks in my church that let's be honest, they are probably don't need to be in the, in the masses. I mean, there's some folks over 90, they got cancer and they got different situations. They probably don't need to be at church, but I feel right. like there's a lot of them that simply are just using this They're You know what I mean? I, because I, I don't care. I'll say it to their face. I'm not like I'm talking behind their back. I was one couple I've not seen since, since March. I done saw them at Lowe's twice. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you yeah. know, you got those people, yeah. they're using it as a, as a, as a reason not to come to church. And so some of them, and here's the sad part for me, some of them have been Sunday school teachers, you know what I mean? Some of them are highly involved in the yeah. church. And so there's a lot of the responsibility that's been, that's had to get thrown around in different directions. But I guess for me, you know, coming to your question, the biggest thing that I have struggled with, Brother Dallas, and you know me, Brother Austin knows me, I hate sitting still. And I always feel like <laughs> I have to be moving forward. Like I, I, I have a problem where I have a whole lot of goals and have a lot of good ideas. I don't always always see them through, but I always want to be reaching for something. I always want to try something new. And one thing that has just ate me up this whole time is I feel like there's nothing right now that we can do to really try to get this ball rolling to move forward right now. I, like I think about from our right. church, we was door knocking every other Saturday. You can't door knock right now. They're going, people don't want you coming in their house, you know? Yeah, they don't want you around. around. We right. had to cancel. You, you know, y'all's church was with us. We we didn't get to go to church camp this summer. That was a highlight for your kids. We couldn't do that. Right. You know, we've there's been like we take our church to Taylorsville camp meeting every summer. Cancel that. There's been meetings. There's been so much highlights that help your church. Uh, you know, you can't do certain retreats. You can't do certain things like this. And uh, I feel like you know that's really struggled from. I I really struggled in that department because I feel like we're just sitting idle, and that drives me crazy. And so I have really yeah. struggled with that end. Uh, you know, people really ain't in my, up here anyways. People are not visiting churches right now. You know what I mean? So you're not like your church is growing. You're just, I feel like, I, here's my, right. my biggest concern is the last few months, I feel like I've not been able to reach forward. I feel like I'm just to keep what I got. I feel like I'm just doing best to maintain uh, what I have. And so that has been a big struggle for me, you know, and obviously, like, thank the Lord, we've only had two times this to this point uh, that we've had to cancel church because of folks, you know, getting it in the church. But, um, you know, mm. I will say this. There has been some positive sides to it. Obviously, the Lord can bring good out of every situation. And uh, one thing good for me is, uh, although our crowds may be smaller, I think you and I would both agree with this, that this COVID has showed you who is really for church and loves church and loves the Bible and loves getting preached to. And, uh, right. I've seen that firsthand. I've seen the people that really want to be there. They're making it a point to be there. And although I will say this, thank the Lord for it. Although the crowds have maybe took a dip, uh, numbers speaking, I have sensed a greater hunger for preaching. I'll be honest with you. The, at, the atmosphere yeah, has been better and I've had hunger and I, you know, I've seen the appetite in my church family and that is a blessing for any pastor, you know, to see people wanting it. Uh, so Thank the Lord for yeah. that. The Lord's brought good out of that. So, you know. Amen. I think you. I think what you just said it probably echoed uh, many preachers across America, and especially I think in the South, uh, which you know y'all have a different culture even in North Carolina than we do here in West Virginia. You know, I think it's. You know, I tell people. People say, "Man, are you discouraged?" And I say, "I'm not discouraged. I'm yes. hearted uh, because it's it's just kind of." Um, I'm not mad at anybody. You, you really hit the nail on the head. I love people on both ends of this thing and trying to pastor them. I love both sides with all my heart and I can see both sides. 
and it's been a tight rope. And now one good thing, I think a lot of people have been very patient yes. with each other. If you're not going to be patient through oh, this Lord. thing and it, it, it's very tough. So, uh, well, pr- I appreciate that. I want to get into a couple of, and, uh, I don't know how long to make this thing. I don't really know, but, um, I know you grew up on the front lines. I mean, you, you, your dad's been in the ministry for, I think, what you said, Yeah, he's been in the ministry 45 years, passing 42 years. Yeah, at Burlington. And if you don't know, those who are listening, this is the church, uh, New Hope. Hope um, yes. New Hope. New Hope Baptist Church is the, is the home church, if I could say it that way. It is the church that was really instrumental in what, become known as the Burlington Revival with C.T. Townsend. Most folks know about the big tent that was put up and all that, but it began really out of the the heart and desire of Pastor Hobbs and his church yes. there at New Hope and saw God work and move uh, in in a lot of ways there. Now, the you know, the, the ramifications of that revival are still being felt and some good and actually some bad and or negative, I guess you could say. I know our church got involved in it, and it just kind of took on a life of its own. And this is the church. And so this guy's been in the front lines. He's seen yeah. behind the lines. He's seen the positives and the negatives. And the, and uh, and then he's, you know, and, and one of the reasons I wanted to talk to Brother Nathaniel, and we may have to do this in two parts because – you know, I want to get I want to get your thoughts on that on the Burlington what's called the Burlington Revival, um, and I, and then also the big thing uh, is these I call them the anti fundamental the anti old old school old they make fun right. of the old paths, and here you you are a young guy coming up, you've been at the Burlington Revival you've seen you've seen some of the abuses over the years your dad I know has taught you a lot about them. And I guess I wanted to get your thoughts on the podcasts that have been coming out, the the attacks that have come against fundamental Bible-believing people, and, and really not people as much as yes, yes, pastors yes. and leaders. And some of them within our circle, some of them I don't know. You may know more than I. What are your thoughts growing? Because you've seen a frontline view probably as much as anybody other than your dad himself, but, but you've even seen – the 25 year old, 24, you know, been 23 a couple of years ago. Now you saw it as a younger preacher. Tell me your thoughts on these podcasts and this movement that's coming on. And then being at the Burlington revival, is there a connection? What do you, you know, what are your thoughts on? on oh some Lord. Of those well, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a big <laughs> time to swim in right there. Um, I guess first of all, yes, I guess about the Burlington revival situation. I, uh, you know, I saw firsthand, you know, I guess let me preface this by saying this. I will not deny that God moved in people's lives. I will say that. Amen. Um, and I see a lot of positive things that happened in that meeting that are still here today. Um, and let me preface Amen. this by saying this. I was there. Uh, people don't know this about the meeting is my dad Back 15 years before that, so you're looking at, what, 19 years ago now at this point, started praying for revival every Monday night at the church. Now, this is, this is, this is good right here, Nathaniel, because I know some of these anonymous accounts on Twitter and some of these, even these podcasts, have been very critical. But it's going to be very critical. It's going to be very hard, I should say, to to critique a very private prayer meeting that really started probably yeah, like started with three or four people. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess first right. of all, the fact there's anonymous accounts that it blows my mind, but we're not going to talk about that yet. We'll talk about that later. Um, the fact that yeah. these men can critique people behind a computer screen is beyond me. But anyways, um, talking about the Burlington yeah. revival, uh, this was something that definitely started long before there was ever we even knew who a ct Townsend was and uh it was long before we even knew we know that there would be a tent coming and see i grew up around revival uh and i know that's a word that a lot of people <laughs> use loosely um i know not, not just not everything's revival but i did grow up in a lot of good meetings and the lord used that in my life my mom 
she used to play piano at all brother Ralph Sexton's tent meetings. So, you know, so I've been around this my whole life. Right. And I do feel like I, you know, I, I know enough to have this conversation about all this. Um, but anyways, right. going back to the right. whole birth revival thing, dad and his men and a few women at the church, they got to pray for revival. They just prayed God to move in the church. They'd pray God would deal with people. They'd save people. You know, a lot of it really came for lost loved ones that lost people, like mothers and fathers in the church. They'd come to pray over their children. Uh, there's, there was some, you know, talking about the apathy, pray God would break that and that God would really, you know, create a desire to serve the Lord in these days. And so that's kind of what birthed it. And so, you know, it wasn't something that they motivated by a revival. They just simply wanted to pray. You know, they got together and this literally just yeah, asked God for right. 15 years. And uh, lo and behold, um, back in 2011, I think was the first time that we ever met Brother CT. I actually met him in West Virginia at uh, Taze Valley. And so, Dad, you know, mm-hmm. him and my dad hit it off. And, I, you know, anybody that knows me, you know, also knows this. Man, when I was when I met CT, Lord, I thought he was Billy Graham. Man, I I I wanted to be like that guy so bad I couldn't see straight. And so you know, me, I was one of them young preachers yeah. that idolized him. And uh, so you know, he comes to New Hope in 2011, sure. and man, hits it off first time. And there's kind of a you know a great connection there between our church and him. And Dad had it for revival a couple times. Well, then 2016 came. Dad has had a simple meeting uh, in May, and. Uh, you know, CT was there. And remember that, you know, the first four nights was just a good, you know, meeting. It wasn't nothing special. But uh, that Friday night, man, I just remember, I don't even remember what, what he preached on, but I remember unusual conviction set in on there. And like 10 or 15 folks just got saved that hadn't even moved that first night, came forward. And then they literally, that my dad wanted to, you know, said, let's go another week to see what the Lord's going to do. And uh, literally that next Sunday morning, um, Clinton Jones, who was a man that had been in New Hope, well, his mother had been a godly saint, one of them women you wish your church was full of people like her. Um, her son was wicked as right. they come. I'm talking about, you know, reprobate. <laughs> you would have thought, man, you would have thought he he wanted nothing to do with God. He simply came to church. He would tell you this for his mother. He had no desire for God, no desire for none of that. He would cuss you if you tried to talk to him about the Lord. And uh, he got broke down and got saved that morning. And he's still in church faithful to this day. Uh, he he's sitting on the front row just you know with tears in his eyes he at least loves preaching you know i mean he is he's right there right right just soaking it all in uh so he's still to this day you know uh anyway so that sort of escalating and i will say hands down i have no apology saying this while the meeting was in the church it was something you know i've never seen before and i have no apology saying that i mean i really god while it was those four weeks it was at my in the sanctuary yeah, Acts chapter twelve twenty four says Man. the word of God grew and multiplied, and, and, yeah. and that's what was going on, obviously yes. there. And that's when we got wind of it. In fact, I took some preachers with. Well, I, I think one a, a preacher with me. Dad said, "Man, we got to see what's yes. going on here. This thing when it was in when it was in the church." So no, you're good, but go I, yeah, I, I, I think I'll make you know, you. you know, while I think it was in the church, it was a special thing, man. I really, you know, you you saw some things I never saw before. I saw conviction. I saw, you know, the Lord really used people and working people's lives. Well, then it well then it goes to the tent simply because right. we couldn't feed. Like our just run yes, out. Of like space. I literally remember it really in got that fourth huge. week. Me and the little group I sing with at the time was singing one night, and there's literally people in the foyer in the nursery, like watching the TV screens. They're literally sitting outside. The, the, we, had, we had to keep the doors open. People sit just listening. They couldn't even see the service. They're just listening in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the night you was there. It was five hour. o'clock, and it the church was already full. It started till seven. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. It was. It, was it seemed like my dad's church only holds six hundred people, and I we they counted over a thousand that whole last yeah. week. So. We literally needed something else. Right, so right. My dad having connections with Brother Sexton, they called him, brought the tent down. And even in those tent, you know, the Lord really moved in a way. But I felt like it somewhat shifted from a church meeting to where the Lord was really working on the church. And, and I think they'll all admit this. It kind of shifted more toward an evangelistic angle where you try to see. Yeah, it becomes yes, it yes, become regional. You know, it becomes you know, many yeah. churches, and so, many you know, preachers. It, it grew. It grew so huge, you know. If he was there that night, Brother Baldwin preached. I mean, that was the biggest thing I ever seen in my life. You know that that th- there's people sitting outside the tent, and the tent hole held three thousand. You know, uh, it was 
No, um, so you know, and I've I'll, never seen I'll like that. It. Let me. I'll give the positive side first. You know, I, I really believe there's people that truly got converted. That Clinton Jones man is still here today. I won't deny that. I, I really believe that. Uh, there are some people that they'll tell you they're you know whether they's at my dad's church. There's actually some people here at my church. They will tell you uh, that, that that's where the Lord really worked in their life, helped their marriages, helped their homes. You know, it, it cultivated some desire. I, there's a couple of my church. Amen. Honest is honest testimony, brother Dallas. They were at some liberal crazy contemporary church here in town that don't even preach the true gospel. So uh, they were involved in that and they went to the tent and now they're some of my most faithful members and that the Lord used that tent to really get them around, I guess you could say fundamental aspect of church. And uh, you know, they're, they're, they, they lead my right. youth group now. They're wonderful people and they're, they're doing a great job. Uh, so, you know, I don't think we can deny that aspect of it. Um, and I tell people this, I make no apologies for this, that if the Burlington Revival never did anything, Brother Dallas, it brought some camaraderie among these local preachers here in this town, um, which was something that really was not here before then. Uh, you know, we have a whole, like, a, like you said earlier, in Alamance County, you shake a bush, 10 Baptist churches fall out. And most of them are fundamental. Most of them are old fashioned, right. if you will. And uh, there's not a lot of fellowship. You know how everybody kind of does their own thing and they leave everybody alone. But the Lord really right. brought some relationships there. Uh, so, you know, that was all great. So there's definitely some positive things. I guess you, but, you know, just like anything, there's some negative aspects as well. Um, and I know that that meeting and a lot of stuff like that has become a major topic, bringing in regards to these Twitter accounts and these podcasts. Um, well, that's what I, yeah, that's what I wanted. In fact, when I thought about interviewing you for this podcast, one of the things of course, I want to talk about the positives, obviously, and, and, and I think it doesn't get enough credit because of especially the germ of that, the beginning of having just a yes. pastor and a handful of people that just yes. say, hey, we love our church and love our community. Let's just pray that God would work and move. And, yes. I, and, and I know that was your dad's heart, absolutely, and those people yes. in, your, yes. in your home church there at New Hope. I mean, before anybody knew. And so I find a hard time critiquing that. Why do you think, because obviously it got big, I mean, I've got my own thoughts, but it become, in fact, we can even almost say it give rise to almost an anti, an anti-revival, an anti-Burlington. Yes. They make fun. There's whole Twitter accounts making fun. I've seen, uh, and, and maybe on other social medias as well, that, I mean, there's people that have almost made their living, so to speak, on making fun of uh, the Burlington revival, making yes. fun of those who were involved in it, making fun of the preachers. And yes. it's almost given a whole genre of, of, of anti, you know, yes. this recovering fundamentalist. This I'm, I'm no longer going to be, which I know that may be unrelated. Yeah. It is somewhat related because they oh, actually yeah. even use the clips from some of it on some of these sermon clips. What is your thoughts about that? I mean, that, of course, you know, I don't want to make it too long this yeah. podcast because we might have to do two or three of these. Yeah, yeah, because I've still got several questions. Too far in this thing, but uh, I guess no, know, that's okay. Thing, and I've said this from day one: the fact that there are quote unquote Christian people that use fake Twitters to get their message across it is that is beyond me. Like, like I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. I will. Right. So I will accept right. criticism on this and, or, or a conversation. If people can prove me wrong, I'll gladly listen to the conversation. But the fact, like you said, there are people. They literally, that's their money maker is making fun of people, you know, and 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 ridiculing people. And I just, you know, to me, if you're going, it's one thing if you're going to do it, but do it. Like, own up to it. You know what I mean? Use your face. Use your name. Uh, but the the fact that then you got these guys right. covering up that is just beyond me. But, you know, I don't know. I think it's one thing when we attack problems, and I think we can all agree there are problems in every situation. You know, sure, were there people at the Brunswick Revival that said they got saved that probably didn't? Of course. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest. I've made, I've made several professions of faith before I ever got saved. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, uh, and I feel like this, right. and this is something I think, and I think even those involved would, would, agree, would, would agree with me on this. Anytime you get in an emotionally, that emotionally charged of an atmosphere, even some of the best people is going to start worrying about things. You know what I mean? You, you're going to start asking questions. And so I think, you know, we need to make sure we understand 
we, we all could do better in getting the fine line of, you know, what the real issues are as far as that goes, whether God, you know, I think like, I think one of the worst that things that happened, I've seen this is like you getting that good of a service and it simply could be the Lord talking to you about getting your life right. But man, people automatically assume that they get, and they're getting called to preach. You know what I mean? And the problem, they'll get guys down at the other side, man, this guy got right, called to preach. Right. And, you know, something I hate is that, you know, you have these people coming down and you have a 30 second conversation and either you pronounce them saved or called to preach or going to Africa for the mission field. You know what I'm saying? Let's have a conversation with these people. And I think that's a negative right. thing about it. But I think even a lot of the folks involved would agree with that. Uh, you know, I, uh, I, you know, and I, obviously I've saw people, yeah. I invited yeah. people to that tent, you know, that they came down and they got quote unquote saved and, you know, now they're full blown atheists and partying and carrying on. I, you know, I see them on social media. So of course there was some false professions there. Uh, but again, I just don't think that is worthy of right. these accounts. I, I, uh, you know, and I, here's what makes me the most mad. And I, I, I've told other people this, I see it as full blown hypocrisy in a lot of ways. And one reason that is, is because especially like this one huge podcast that's going out now, uh, they're literally attacking a lot of the IFB ways, which we could all agree that there's a lot of stupidity in the IFB world at this particular moment. But one thing that they attack is they say, Hey, the IFB guys, they're all, they all, they all live and they'll, they'll, they'll classify you by association. You know what I mean? They won't have your conversation. They won't care. They won't talk to you, but because you run with so-and-so and you preach with so-and-so, they'll throw you in that camp and they'll label you. And the whole problem is they're doing the same exact thing. You know what I mean? They'll take anybody that shows yeah, any emotion, yeah, anybody that's yeah. in the quote-unquote old-time way, and they throw them all in the same category. And, yes, there are idiots out there, and we can name them if we wanted to. But I just know this firsthand. My dad is not the same as some of these people. You know what I mean? I am an independent – You know, I, I, don't right. say, I don't claim that I'm in the no. IFB world, but I am an independent – fundamental Baptist. I'm, I'm independent. Nobody's going to tell me how to run my church, how to pastor my church. I don't answer to nobody else. I, I believe in the autonomy of the local church. I'm independent. I'm fundamental. I believe the fundamentals of the faith and I'm a Baptist, you know, but I, my whole thing is this, I am not the same as some of these people. I think the same thing they're attacking, they're guilty of doing. And I think it's turned so much where they're not no longer attacking problems. It's turned into where they're attacking people. And I think there's a fine line there and I, I can't get on board with that. Well, you just said a lot there that, that I think needs to be unpacked. And, and, and I think, I think, and I know you well enough to know. Now, I don't know all the preachers that you run with, but I know you personally well enough to know. I've heard the conversations that you and, like, my son have had. And there's things that you guys, from the get-go, when it comes to, quote-unquote, the IFB, and I'm yes. like, you, we're going to have to define that because – you, they, I've been put in certain camps all my life, and I've yet to have anybody. Me I sure neither. haven't got Me much neither. benefit out of any camp I've ever been. I can tell you that. And so, I, you know, I'd like to if I'd, I'd like to at least get right. some benefit if I'm going to be put in some group. And so, but I know you guys enough to know that y'all are thinkers. Y'all think about y'all are not just blindly listening to some goofy sermon illustration. Because I think what they do, and I think you and I would agree, and I think a lot of people even within independent Bible believing churches would agree that there are certain preachers and certain sermons. And in particular, I think this gets a lot of made fun of is certain certain sermon illustrations that we would look and say, yeah, that's cringy. That that guy probably shouldn't do that. That's silly looking or, or, you know, that that's kind of borderline wrong interpretation of scripture or, you know, that's not really exposition, you know, an expositional type message. But I, but I think you hit on something, brother Nathaniel, that is, it's one thing if you want to look at somebody and say, Hey, I I don't think you ought to right. You know, that illustration is kind of over the top or that's sensationalism. You know, I see a lot of critiquing about, you know, pulling the the casket out on the, on the thing, having a gun out on the platform. There are things that I think a lot of people have, rightly critiqued absolutely on some of our independent Baptist churches. Uh, and, and, and I think every pastor and, and even some of the ones maybe that have done it said, you know, I, I wish I hadn't have done that. I wish I hadn't have said that. But to me, it, to me, they're taking a handful of clips and running with it and acting like 
you know, that number one, that's everybody. Oh, yes. When they don't even know where oh, Belmont yeah. Baptist Church is, but they're going to lump you in there. They, they, they've never even been to Summers County, West Virginia, here in the Southern Hills of West Virginia, but yet I'm, I'm in that group. And, you know, I think to me it's more, well, here, we'll use some of the silliness of some of the preachers that you and I could name and illustrations that we would be. And they think that everybody's that way instead of just saying, wait a minute, uh, you know, not every and they'll say that I said, well, we know not everybody's that way, but then proceed to just uh, just to attack. And I got, I really think this brother the thing. I think it's went beyond personal attacks. Oh, they yeah. really have a problem with what we believe. They they really don't like standing on scripture. They they especially hate separation. That's the big one they hate. They'll say it's man's opinions, but yet they'll like you said. And I think you said it very well. Right. They're doing the same thing. They have their opinions, and and it's just changed. It's looser, and they try to act like that they've arrived at a certain place. They're more advanced now, and you know it's kind of almost a virtue. Like we are more virtuous. We are godlier because we don't. Judge. Yes, and I think well, something exactly that your son thing. said a long time ago to me, and it, I I think about this often. It's a very dangerous thing when Christianity in your life is the cool thing to do. And when it's the, when it, when it becomes trendy, you got to watch out for that. And I feel like, and I, I Austin has said that. And well, I that's tell you good. What, yeah. So I've good heard him say that because in a lot of ways, and I'm sure like them, them guys, they, there's some right things to that. You know what I mean? I, I'm not saying everything they do is evil, but at the same time, okay. Like not everything we do is bad either. You know what I'm saying? I feel like we got to get back to seeing the goodness of this stuff. But however, this whole movement, you know, the recovering fundamentalist movement, this I hate anything old time, I hate anything old fashioned. When it becomes trendy, you have to start watching out for that. You know, because Christianity is more than going to Starbucks and and talking about who your favorite theologian is. You know what I mean? Uh, Right. Yeah. And I will say this I will say this. One thing that I will say, because I've listened to several different podcast some of them are very popular some of them maybe not as well known but i I think the one thing that and i've yet to hear anybody really disagree with this but the covering up of sin well yes also given rise to and and i and but here's the thing i don't know of anybody that that disagrees with that i think everybody has looked and said yeah, they should not have moved that preacher out to that college. Yeah. Uh, I know yeah, Stacey yeah. Shiflett got involved in all that Cameron Giovanelli thing. It was all over YouTube. But most everybody I've talked to was on board sure. with Cameron Giovanelli. It should have been exposed. And I'm, and I'm saying these names because oh, yeah, this is a well-known, these are well-known situations. And, but I think most everybody is in agreement with that i i've yet to hear a preacher outside of just a handful of people that most everybody would say man they, he's just off his rocker but but i do think one thing i will say is one thing that's given rise and if anybody listens to this is the oh, covering up of sin has been horrible um i, I just think that has hurt and, and because i know you know it's you know one of them's like stopping abuse of, of pastors but I, I, I tell you what, though, I don't know. I mean, I know there's nationally known stories, and I know they document, but, you know, it's not exclusively within independent Baptists. It's not exclusively within the Christian church. I mean, Absolutely. I think mankind is wicked and sinful, but, but it's, it is painted yes. as if only the independent Baptists do it. It's, it's painted as if only Christians do it. And I know they'll say they don't really believe that in these Absolutely. podcasts. Absolutely, and I guess you but know, man, that's all. Here's they what we got to be careful to do: we got to make sure we never judge a a movement by the abuse of something, because let's be honest, like you said, the cover up of right. abuse is terrible. Uh, but not every independent Baptist preacher is a pedophile. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's a that's a very that's a minority. Uh, we all can exactly. agree that there is manipulation. Uh, you know, in these in these in these meetings, these revivals, you know, there's one evangelist out there right now. He literally thinks that he has the uh, spirit of 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 some of these you know heroes of the faith, and he literally thinks he can look over a congregation and see who's who is uh, saved and who's lost. And you know, I've seen him point people out, uh, but like not every independent preacher is like that. Uh, and so I think, and like, let's be honest. 
there are Southern Baptists who have right. experienced this problem. That every denomination has, because like you said, there is depravity in every situation. Um, and like, I, you know, like here's the truth, this whole new movement, they can keep on doing their thing, but guess what? They're going to end up finding out one of their buddies is going to end up met falling into sin. They're going to end up, one of them is going to be an idiot and do stupid stuff. Yeah. What, 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 yeah, what are going to do? So yeah, my whole thing is this, what are we going to keep doing? We're going to keep on shifting every time. Uh, somebody gets abusive, you're going to have a new movement 50 years from now because the one you started sees corruption in it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you can't just keep jumping fences. You know, sometimes, right. you know, you know, I, I know there's different theories like, you know, back when the, uh, you know, I'm an independent Baptist, but I'll be honest with you. I guess one reason I have never got caught up in a camp, Brother Dallas, is because my dad is not a camp man. He hates the fact there's camps. Like my dad's the type of guy, uh, right. Brother Dallas, he went to Liberty, you know, so that's kind of an old camp. And then, but then his pastor was in the whole old fashioned camp meeting right. crowd. Uh, but he was a Southern Baptist, you know, right. Right? so, but he, he passed the independent Baptist church. Right. And so like, you know what I mean? Like right. I grew up thinking, okay, there are good Southern Baptists out there. There are good independent Baptists out there. So I, I never got in the whole camp thing, but you know, I've been reading and right. I, you know, I, so I'm not independent. I'm not a Southern Baptist. I'm independent. My dad's independent. But, you know, I, I still think that there's some good men that was in the convention and still are in the convention. And so, you know, I wonder if, you know, like if, you know, Adrian Rogers, he had the mentality, him and Jerry Vines, like brother Percy Ray, we'd all admit those are strong men. And, uh, you know, I'd, you know, they, they their mentality was, man, we got to keep our voice in here. We got to keep our stand in here. And they they died with that. You know, what I mean, while everybody was running away. And I guess we can all agree there was pros and cons. of right. even there's pros and cons of staying. But my whole thing is this, you know, they're, they're these boys that are talking about all the trouble in the IFB world. They're going to find one day the same problems fall because depravity follows you everywhere you go. And uh, so. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I really think this. I really think because I've, you know, I've, I think what you said about your dad being, you know, in no camp, I think that's the majority of people. And that and you can like it that or not, but I think the majority of people are not in. Right. I think people like to say they're in certain camps. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, I'm the same way. I went, you know, I'm a graduate of Liberty, which would about when I was there, it was going a different direction. Uh, I've been to the sword of the Lord. I've been to the camp meetings. Uh, you know, our because we have a Christian school, we've been oh yeah associated with Crown and Bob Jones and Pensacola. I mean, I mean across the board. But like none of those people have ever reached out to us. None of those people. I've only had right, very few right. of them even here to preach. They don't even know where we're at. Well, and so to say that we're in any of those camps. Yeah, you know, my absolutely. mom's Pentecostal. My dad's Methodist. I mean, you know, and and so I think people don't understand that. I think the because here's the way they make it out to me is that everybody is just a disciple of Jack Hiles and that Jack Hiles and Jack Scott got into so much sin. Hey, and so I, therefore my, my all of you all are a bunch Baptist, of sinners. He can't stand Jack Hiles. <laughs> right. And I think that's, I think that's more common. And I know there's people that as soon as right. you say that name, people just go one way or the other. And, and um, I just think that people don't understand um, that, a majority, not just a few, but a majority. Think about this, Brother Nathaniel. I, you know, we have a Christian school. I'm associated and have been associated with Christian colleges and Christian schools, and in particular, obviously, here in West Virginia. I know about every ministry, and, and, and most of their home churches, or at least their affiliated churches, that have a Christian school in the state. Now, in the state of West Virginia, not just, right, not just right. our county, in the whole state, which we're not a big state, you know. But... I know a lot of different ministries, and not only our state, but but North, but uh, Virginia, somewhat North Carolina. We go to Pensacola, Crown, Bob Jones. I don't hardly know when when I hear these guys making these accusations about these preachers and about these churches. I, I, I sometimes scream at my you know my iPad or whatever if I'm listening to, to a podcast. Say, what are who who are you talking about? I can take you from you know the tip of West Virginia down to you know almost to Charlotte probably of preachers that I know and I'm sitting there thinking, who is it? It's not, it's not going on. In fact, I even so go so far. Sure, now, sure. Obviously I know True. that I don't know every single one and they'll bring out somebody, but in West Virginia in particular, I don't, they'll say, well, they, this believes this. And I'm like, Hey, look, I know 
uh, just about every preacher, especially it's associated with the Christian school movement. And there are none there. Not only, not only is there a couple, there are right. none that believe the way Absolutely. these people are saying. Absolutely. Uh, it's just not there. And we're talking about a whole state. We're not talking about just, you know, one little geographical area that I know of. Now, again, you know, I could be limited, but I've been at this over 20 some years. And, and yeah. I know a lot of churches between my house and your house. Right. I, know, I know there's some that you and I'd say, well, they probably go a little too far. And I know, I know oh, when you yes. get down to Carolinas, you're getting to a lot more numbers of churches. But I think, I think the whole thing, Brother Nathaniel, is built on straw men. They'll, like, for example, you take Randy Hobbs, your dad. They're going to critique your dad, but they didn't critique him when he was yeah, having prayer meetings. Yeah, they'll just critique you when, you know, when they got a big crowd that they never somewhere. had before. <clears throat> That's what I'm wondering is even some of the jealousies Listen, against CT, CT, CT is like a perfect CT example. A guy like okay, and I'll, I'll admit you, CT's my friend. I love CT. And I would, I would tell CT, I don't agree with everything he does, but let's, let's be real. CT has reached more people than I ever right. will. He has preached to way more people than I know. Do I agree with everything that he does? No. Uh, but he, I, I, I don't think CT, CT, they treat CT right. like he's preaching a false gospel. You know what I mean? They treat him like he's out here, out here, daggum, right. preaching like yeah. Joel Osteen. That is just simply not the case. You know what I'm saying? He is, he is not doing that. Uh, you know, now again, right. I think this is a problem that happens in the, in the, in, in your IFB world. And, but the same thing is these guys are doing it too. I know independent Baptist preachers who will associate me and Austin as young preachers because of who we quote on Facebook. You know what I mean? There, 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 there are guys who will, like, I literally, I know, a, right. I heard about a preacher the other day. He has already labeled me. Never had a conversation, never even talked to me, simply because I went to the seminary that I went to. You know, I, that, that, that happens in the old-time way world, in the IFB world. Right. But the thing is, right. they'll, these new boys will do the same thing because I still get up and preach with a shirt and tie on, and I hack what I preach, you know what I mean? And we're still singing hymns, and we're still doing old-fashioned singing. They'll think I am like everybody in the whole IFB world. You know, and I think, like you said, it's all based on strong men, and nobody... You know, yeah. and all these guys on Twitter, all these guys are doing these things. And I, I've been around enough to know this. I'm, I'm not saying all of them like this. I know there's some people who have tried to have conversations with, with the people that they have faults with. But I would say the vast majority, they've never talked to CT. They've never talked to me. They've never talked to you. You know, I mean, if you have such a problem, why don't you call them on the phone and try to ask them what their, what, what, what their, right. what their heart is? Ask them the way they look at it. Well, and, and, and they assume, they make so many assumptions. They assume that you guys don't study or because maybe you, you know, you quote somebody they don't agree with that you believe everything that they believe. And yes. they just, they make so many assumptions today. And, and, and it's, it's, and, and, you know, I think here's the thing about it. Nobody would say anything negative about CT. Well, that's the thing for me. You know, exactly. That's one reason I don't get criticism and, like I, like I, know, like some people would, cause I pastor 80 people in the middle of the country out here. You know, uh, I've, and that's something I've learned. I feel like people, they don't, they don't attack people that's below them. You know what I mean? They, they always go into the ones that's bigger than they are. I think I, a lot of it's jealousy. A lot of it's, and, 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 and look, I, I'd, make no, I'd make no secret that I would, you know, and I would, I would say this to anybody. Uh, there's some things and some, that some of these evangelists, including CT, who I love, but uh, that I would say, look, man, I would not do that. I think that's, you know, and, and especially pastoring. And But I think people don't understand yes. the in what he was trying to do and what the Lord's used him to do. And, and I mean, the, the criticisms absolutely really in some ways just merciless. I mean, just absolutely just roasting. And look, if somebody wants to, you know, if you ask me in private, right. ask me, would you do what? See, we may have a conversation in private. But to but to just attack the guy and not only him others that that look when I hear him and I hear some of these preacher clips I, I'm I do I do I do a double take I'm like you know Absolutely. what <laughs> but they probably should have worded that differently uh, and, and so I would agree with some of that but man they're they're taking you you're talking about people that preach in hundreds of hours and, and absolutely I, maybe I they misspoke like I think it's so there's not unfair. one preacher that can honestly say. 
I that they, they have never heard an old sermon that makes them cringe. You know, you know what I mean? Like, there's literally. I wish. I wish to God. That right. Right. I could get a hold right. of the Taze Valley Baptist Church's YouTube page because there's a sermon of me preaching when I'm 18 years old. It's like my fifth sermon I ever preached. And brother, it is the most embarrassing thing in my life. I hate it. I, I, it makes me want to, it makes me want to pull my hair out, but you know what? I, it's, it keeps me, <laughs> it keeps, it's humble. keeping you humble. You know, I don't brother. think there's it's one person that can humble. say, Hey man, I used to do things that I, I wouldn't do now. I didn't, I, I said things wrong. You know, then that's the, and, and have you ever noticed this? Oh, yeah. These boys never put yeah, their buddies absolutely. on there. You never notice that? They, they never they never expose their buddies' blunders. Right. Uh, right. You know, so yeah. I think, uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much we could do. Brother, listen, we've already – we're 50 minutes into this podcast. And, and those who are listening, I have, I have more questions. We're going to have to do a part two next week or maybe in a couple of weeks, whenever you get some time. I, I still have – here's some more questions, and I want you to think about these. And if you're listening today, I want you folks to, to think about I, these. Here's my go. questions I'm going to we'll – we're going to do another podcast, Brother Nathaniel. It, it, here's, here's some questions we'll do it the next time. What is the biggest issues facing churches and young pastors was a question. Here's one that, that would just be a whole podcast, and that is why do you <laughs> – this one's going to be loaded – People be emailing us on this one. Why do you think Chris, uh, Calvinism okay. is popular or so popular among oh, young let's, preachers? Let's, let's go. And that I know, I know that as a buzzsaw. Uh, yeah, and, and another one that I that I have is: Are you? Do you think the days of camps are disappearing? When we talk about, we had a lot of talk about camps, which I really think is a very interesting that most folks outside of church don't know. And then I had a question of just revivalism, you know, and we, we touched on that a little bit today. And uh, so there, that, those three questions there, the big issues, young pastors, Calvinism and what it's doing, good or bad, uh, and, and uh, are the days of camp meetings disappearing, and books, books that you would recommend young preachers. I, I just like to get into all of that, but I don't want to wear everybody out. I'm gonna, we're going to close this out. On, this is – this will be episode one here on my on, on uh, my discussions with the young fundamental pastor, and I I think people would like to hear, and I would especially like to get your take because I think Calvinism hundred percent has really made an inroad in good and bad ways, uh, and and see what people are saying and thinking. Oh, brother, because that's another you, big dividing line. You. So, well, Nathaniel, thank you so much, and. And I appreciate you being here on Chapel Chimes. And folks that are listening, uh, if you ever want to have Nathaniel Hobbs come in and preach for you, I trust trust me, he'll do you church well. And uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to figure out how to do this platform to give you his email addresses and all that type of thing. I'll put it on our Twitter feed if you want to go there. At, at, you can see it on Chapel Chimes oh, on Twitter. But Nathaniel, sounds great, I'm going to pray and close. Thank you so much. And we'll do this again, brother. All right, Lord, I thank you as we close today that you'll just uh, be with us during this uh, podcast and it being distributed. Pray that you bless Nathaniel, those that are listening. And Lord, we oh, love you. you thank man. you now, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.